You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Hello, hello, everyone. It's great to be with all of you. I have an action-packed show, including coming up talking about the release of Unplanned in Canada and the controversy that has occurred. In fact, we not only have an Emmy Award-winning journalist, but also one of the co-producers of Unplanned, which recently released here in the States. Welcome, Alexis. Hey, it's great to be with you. This is Alexis Walkenstein in studio with us. You have worked in all areas of media, both secular and religious now for many years. Tell us a little bit about your journey. So I started out my career in television news in Boston and in New York. And during the death and funeral of Pope John Paul II, there was a stirring in my heart after over a decade of working in mainstream news to um, shift things. I had covered the sex abuse scandal with Boston as its epicenter, which was a very challenging time for Catholicism and to be a mainstream journalist with faith. And um, the Lord was moving my heart. And shortly thereafter, I was hired to work as the spokesperson for Bishop Barbarito in the Diocese of Palm Beach. Kind of a nice area to live. Yeah. <laughs> he always, the Lord always makes the next assignment very palatable <laughs> until he locks you in. Um, but it was also a very challenging time wanting to work in a wider sphere of evangelization, more direct evangelization. John Paul II was helping me with that. But it was also, you know, more scandals and more um, renewal in the church. Um, so God was really forming me in that and also using me for service. And um, after my season there, uh, the Lord opened up the whole movie industry. And it was a shocking kind of development uh, through prayer. The Lord was taking me again on uh, kind of an apostolic adventure of work for him. Oh, it's incredible to hear kind of what you're talking about, because in reality, you went from kind of ground zero of secular media working the sex abuse scandal to suddenly being in the church, which for anyone listening who works in the church, sometimes that's even worse in a sense. It can be. It really can be things that, you know, you don't want to see or know um, you're privy to. um, But God puts you strategically in the in the bosom of the church to to be an intercessor and to be someone who is a defender of the faith. So um, he uses all the good intentions that we have, and then he takes it to another level Mm -hmm. for our growth and for his glory. And um, for me, it was really a a blessing to be working for a bishop, a holy bishop, to see the Episcopal office of bishop at its finest when um, the church was really in the fire. And I was able to really understand the hierarchy, to understand um, firsthand the office of bishop Uh, what it means apostolically. Mm -hmm. And so it was a real grace in my life, a transforming period of time professionally and personally. That's fantastic. Now tell us outside of being the co-producer of Unplanned, which we're going to get to the Canada release a little later, you'll get the inside scoop because (laughs) Alexis was running here dealing with just breaking news having to do with Canada. But apart from that film, what other films have you worked on over the last few years of being in Hollywood? Sure. Um, I recently worked on the movie Breakthrough by Devon Franklin. I worked on the film I Can Only Imagine. Um, Which actually was huge. Yeah, big box office hits. Um, I worked on The Shack with Octavia Spencer. 
um, Captive with David Oyelowo, Ben-Hur with Mark Burnett and Roma Downey, um, Little Boy, Eduardo Barastegui. Mm-hmm. So many films. I mean, that's just in the season of being in L.A. And before that, you know, Soul Surfer for Greater Glory, The Way with Martin Sheen. So a great number of um, films that have a good moral message, uh, Christian message. And, um, you know, the Lord is wanting to change the culture. And mm-hmm. so um, he enabled me to see the mainstream world for what it is, but also the value of having an imprint on the arts, an imprint on mass media, so that a particular message can be received by people. We're getting informed by the culture. Children and young people are being informed by the culture today. So the value of having um, Christian influence at the center of influence is really important. So much of the theme of today's show really has to do with bringing your faith into the workplace. Even if you're in a religious type of environment, as you know, a religious institution, mm-hmm. we're engaging daily with the secular battle that's out there. So right. I'd love to hear some of uh, the areas that maybe were most challenging for you before changing over to working predominantly with religious organizations, working the secular environment and being a Catholic. Yeah, it is a challenge. I mean, I think... You know, when I was really young, I attended World Youth Day in Denver and met Mother Angelica. And Ooh, I knew <laughs> I knew at the time uh, in college that I really wanted to work in television. I knew from a young from a very young age. And I was hired on my for my career on the feast of St. Clair, a patron of television, which was very significant to me. She's a powerful saint in my life and she's always been by my side. And it was proposed to me to go work in the church, you know, EWTN or in the church. And I thought, no, that's preaching to the choir. I want to be as far out there as possible. And the Lord honored that. He honored that prayer and that desire within me. But you need to have a lot of grace because it's not just the kinds of things that come at you, content um, that could be morally objectionable, but it's the lifestyle that goes along with a secular environment that's right. very much um, sets you apart. Um, Sometimes and t- even just the hours. The hours, especially in television, working late at night and the temptation to, you know, go out after work and stay out all night. And that's what's going on, you know, and to kind of say, you know, I'll go out for an hour and then I need to leave because nothing good happens after a certain period of time. Um, so there's challenges in the way you live your life. There's challenges in watching other people living um, a very worldly lifestyle and knowing that that's not your call and having to... Um, have some lonely nights around that. And mm-hmm. also just the kind of coverage. I mean, I think covering the sex abuse scandal in the Catholic church had to be the, the, the most challenging season for me working as a journalist, having to be, um, you know, objective about the content, but also um, stealthily using my gifts as a Catholic woman to bring some balance, but also perspective. And then also just your prayer, you know, to know that every day um, I had a very wise um, man in my life. who was like a spiritual father who said, you know, um, the reason God is calling you to the, the the way that he wants you to pray is to to strengthen you. It's not so much to broadcast your prayer out to the world, but silently, like if you need to go into the bathroom and, and like privately, you know, um, call out to God in a particular situation, like he's asking you to bring him into every scenario of your of your daily work and you'll see it transform. That's Alexis Walkenstein. She is one of the co-producers on Unplanned, and she's an Emmy Award-winning journalist, and including an author, which we'll get to a little bit later. But Alexis, you're listening to Trending with Timory, by the way. Um, the thing that stood out to me and what you said is sometimes seeing your other colleagues and the things they're out mm-hmm. doing, and I think this is something all of us struggle with at times, it looks like so much 
fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you speak to that? And like finding, I love where you said, you know, sometimes that means you're home alone at night and you've got some yeah. really, really quiet single evening. Yeah. I mean, I remember being out. It was like a going away party and it was, I probably was getting off at, you know, the 11 o'clock show, which means you're not really out the door till 1230 because the show's over, you know, at 1130 and then you have notes for the morning crew and all that kind of stuff. And so you're meeting everybody and people are already drinking and they're already having a good time. And you want to you want to be in the mix and not be standoffish. You want to be present in the middle of where God has put you. But at the same time, what's in your occasion of sin? (laughs) You know, and I remember one of the guys who, um, you know, I really love this guy, you know, as a colleague and, you know, you're around very attractive people and, you know, I was leaving. I was leaving because I knew I can't I can't stay out. I mean, like, you know, you just have to at a certain point. Your defense is lower. Yeah. You have to pull the plug and say, you know what? I've I've made the rounds. I've, you know, made the niceties. It's time to go home. There's nothing good happening here for me, for a Christian woman, you know. (laughs) And so um, I remember this one guy saying to me, where are you going? Stay, (laughs) stay. And, you know, these are the temptations that come, you know, and you're like. You know, you have to be able to make a choice in the split split moments. Like, yeah. you know, you could stay and enter into all the shenanigans that are going on, or you could you could say, "I'm I'm going home" because yeah. that's what that's what needs to happen right now. Oh, well, and what you're saying too is, you know, sometimes it requires just being really, really polite and then yeah. gracefully bowing out. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you know there are certain groups of people you'll be around sometimes. Yes. and my husband has said, "Wow, you were like just so polite, almost to the point of being rigid in a sense. Like you weren't mean, right. you were polite." Well, sometimes that's necessary to avoid certain conversations that are going right, on right. and not to get into the mix of it, of it, as you're saying. Right, right. And you can you can have a healthy distance and and love people where they are and be an example. And sometimes, you know, God, God isn't giving people the full story. You become a mystery. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, he begins to reveal a contradiction in the midst of, you know, the, the spirit of the world. Right. Later on in the show, we're going to be talking about some of the LGBTQ messaging and really what they're trying to use through their language to really influence young children. But I want to ask you, what's one of the easier ways that for you working in the secular environment to live your Catholic faith? I think um, there's no easy way. Let me just say that. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy to be a Christian in any environment, whether right. it's in the Christian community or um, in a, in, it's steeped in a secular community. It is not easy. And for that reason, you have to be steeped in the sacraments. For me, mm-hmm. I, I had a grace when I was living in Boston and working in television. I could walk to my little Catholic church. I lived on the ocean in this little cottage and across the street was a seaside church. And I had the ability to fall in at the end of a really crazy day or night um, with breaking news and all the grueling things that go along with that and fall in and be able to adore the Lord before the Blessed Sacrament, pray the office with some of my seminarian and priest friends. And I think the key to living well um, in holiness is to um, fasten yourself to the sacramental life. You will fail. We will all fail mm-hmm. and fall short if we are not filled by the grace of God through the power of his sacraments. Yeah. Oh, that's the burnout that so many people end up experiencing. Mm-hmm. Apart from a sacramental life, you will be nothing. That's right. And you truly will be nothing. But also finding the gratitude in the midst of the challenge. Of, yes. Okay, Lord, and I try to make this my daily prayer. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you today, no matter where it was. Right. Exactly. And sometimes he takes us. I remember a very holy woman Um, who was a a Christian evangelical woman talking about this horrible job that she had in a factory. And there were all these things happening uh, around her. But the ultimate message was that God can take you to the darkest place. He can take the light of Christ into the darkest place. And you might not know why you're walking in darkness, but it's because the light 
the, the, the light of Christ in darkness will shine the brightest. And I truly feel that, I mean, if there are people listening who are in the secular world, you might not be there forever, but let your light shine. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. We are back with Alexis Walkenstein, Emmy Award winning career in journalism and co-producer of Unplanned. We'll be talking about the big release and the breaking news in Canada for the film. I want to tell you a little story that was interesting and it reminds yeah. me of the censorship that's been oh, taking place sure. in Canada. Right. So I was speaking at an event Tuesday night. It was like at a brewery and uh, it was really interesting. I got maybe three or four minutes into my presentation. We we're talking about how all the sexual issues, abortion, contraception, yes, homosexuality, all, mm-hmm. all tied in together. Mm-hmm. I maybe did my introduction and started to say a few words that slowly began to be a little jumbled because there are a couple women who were very loudly to the side uh-huh. speaking to some of the coordinators for the sound system. Long story short, the f- event was shut down. Wow. Uh, there was a big group of, I'll just say, biker chick boomer women wow. who were, and I'm talking about the boomer generation, who had come out buying a motor parade, essentially, mm. and they decided to eat dinner on the side. Now, we're, we're at like a brewery type place. Yeah. There aren't really families there, yeah. but we could say, okay, um, the manager gets upset, shuts down the event because of the topics. Wow. And it's not family friendly. Don't know that a lot of people are at a brewery with kids necessarily. Right. But um, in the end, I ended up just pausing and looking at the organizer and saying, well, if it's not family friendly, why don't we just change the topic for the night? Mm. And the manager very grudgingly kind of had to agree to changing the topic. And the event went on after wow, a little bit of a um, brief break. But it's, what stood out to me is just people are so intent on shutting down conversations today. Shutting down conversations. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, exactly. it's challenging for us because we have to come in with that graceful attitude and right. how we handle it. So sure right. enough, who do I run into in the bathroom as I'm leaving? Some of the very women who are a little upset about the event. And you know, ladies standing. Did they change their tune? Well, it was interesting. You know how you're in the women's restroom, all ladies are yes. lined up and you're it's about to It's a common get, denominator yes. for everybody is the bathroom. Right. And you're about to get whacked with a door almost yes when the door's coming in and out and i kind of grab the door doesn't it hit this one lady that was with that group and she kind of registers that oh you're the person that was in that event and you can tell it's a little awkward and i just smile and exchange pleasantries but it was a reminder to me that we're called to be joyful even in the midst even of some in this the, even persecution. In the persecution exactly yeah exactly and people are going to shut down our message mm-hmm. completely and this is much of what's happened in Canada yeah. as well. Canada is miraculous. I mean, we embarked on some grassroots engagement in Canada. Uh, Abby Johnson was in Canada for the March for Life, the Canadian March for Life, which was very powerful. And before that, Ashley Bratcher, who plays Abby Johnson in the film, um, was with one of our producers, Joan Opp, for a screening for Parliament. And so uh, there, there was this clamor for the film amongst the pro-life community because in Canada... Just just to the north of us, it is much darker than we we see a lot happening here in the United States. But the darkness in Canada is such that it doesn't allow for conversation. Um, If you even so much as wear a pro-life expression on your T-shirt, you could be arrested. If you're a Christian doctor and you refuse an abortion, you could be arrested. Mm -hmm. So this is this is grave. And um, the sentiment in the in the government, um, as well as in the media, is totally uh, toward the culture of death. And yet the film 
defied all expectations. And it started with a very humble distributor who we had no distribution in Canada. We were not getting any inquiries from anybody and making no traction. Yet the people were, it was like a revolution on the ground. And there was a, a pastor, independent distributor who is a praying man. He was in his kitchen kind of complaining, praying to God saying, um, Lord, what is the deal with this barricade against this film in Canada? And he heard the Lord say, why don't you distribute it? And it's like, isn't it, isn't God like that to use the weak things of the world to lead the strong? This very simple man then started robo emailing the filmmakers. Um, the emails originally were overlooked because of the pandemonium and the busyness of the film. And finally, when we broke through this inertia of communication, uh, this wonderful man took over and bravely took up the charge of getting this film released in Canada. Now, it was a small release, but with that, we had the second largest per screen average in all of North America for the weekend that it opened. In Canada. In Canada. And for the second weekend that we're going into this weekend, um, we're hearing of tickets already sold out. So the clamor for this film and the hearts and the minds that are being changed above all, it's incredible. And Cineplex, which is the, the, you know, the major theater chain, for the country of Canada, um, they even put out a letter to their consumers saying, you know, they weren't going to cave to the pushback from, you know, pro-choice consumers. They said, we are going to play this movie and we should not be close to dialogue, like right. you said. And so that is a miracle in itself that a, a major uh, corporation, a secular, would take a stand to play this movie. So we're just so grateful to God that that he himself has been able to lead the way. It's like um, he's created this dry land and there might be opposition coming behind us, but like the Israelites, we're, we're crossing on that dry land yeah. to all the places that God wants to bring this message. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. That is Alexis Walkenstein, one of the co-producers of Unplanned and the heart of all the marketing and PR for the film. And looking at this, I've seen there have been minor protests, just like minor yeah. protests here in the United States, mm -hmm. outside the movie theaters of some the pro-abortion people. Yeah. However, if you think about the droves and thousands of people coming mm -hmm. to see each film, yeah. it's very minute in comparison to all the people who want to hear what is this film about? Right. What is the pro-life story? Right. What's the abortion topic really covering? Exactly. There were death threats. So there were some independent theaters that, that shut down viewings. Um, and there have been protests. And ironically, um, the filmmakers had a prophetic word around the release of Unplanned that this would happen, that there would be death threats, that there would be problems at theaters. And we didn't have really any of that in the United States. We largely did not have any kind of violence or any kind of threat of violence, but it happened in Canada. So the right. prophecy that you know was revealed, was it was coming to, to fruition. And yet, despite all of that, the media has gone viral you know, here in the United States and Canada. We were told in prayer that we would have a second tidal wave of uh, resurgence of interest in this film and we're seeing that and we believe that country to country that's what's going to happen because the world needs the message of the gospel of life mm. it was me ashley bratcher um joined us here on trending a few months ago and it was the first time she'd actually shared her own personal unplanned mm -hmm. pregnancy story mm. and it's been really incredible to see her and she shares this her that her pro-life position yeah. has transformed and has. she was shocked and it's m something that many pro-lifers have known about the terrible laws over abortion in yes. Canada but I remember her shock in some of her social media posts yeah. saying this is completely accessible is, here in yeah. Canada and there are no conscience protections. No if you're a doctor protection. you either abort or refer. You either mm -hmm. commit euthanasia and kill mm -hmm. your patients if they want to be killed right. or you refer for this. That's a type of law that's right. implemented there in yeah. Canada. These morally objectionable things are confronting Christian men and women in the medical field. And this movie has become a weapon of evangelization to say we're not going to be 
backed against the wall. Right. So we're really waiting to see a true revolution happen and to but, see more. But isn't this a testament to the fact that it has to come from the people? It's not going to come from their Correct. parliament. It's not going to come necessarily from news media. Mm -hmm. This is a movement of the people. So we've got a lot of listeners in Canada. Yes. My props to you and applaud to you for helping to get this movie launched. But it Truly. sounds like you guys need to be fearless in this battle. It is, a, it is a time to be fearless. I feel like the Lord is drawing the line in the sand and there's no more wishy-washiness there needs mm -hmm. to be spiritual backbone and like that that you said that bold fearless um revolution spirit to say um we're going to stand up for life no matter what the price and i get it i was talking to a friend of mine living in canada you know here we are in california and just the crisis over the lgbtq issues mm -hmm. and the indoctrination, indoctrination. of five-year-old children oh, over this gender ideology yes. um you know i get it i don't know if we can continue to raise children in our, this state here but my right. friend was saying in canada she goes honestly i wish i lived in the united states and I think a lot of Californians yeah. are saying, honestly, I wish I lived in a different state at this point. We need to not be fearful with the little that we have to deal with currently in the United States because it could get much worse. It could get worse. And I and I also think, you know, sometimes the Lord will position his his army, his elect in in hard places. I know a lot of holy people that have migrated to California and yet the heat's getting turned up with these types of things. Yeah. Will we leave or will we stay and hold our ground mm. for Christ? Right. You know, L.A., City of Angels, um, St. Winnipero Sarah, who established the missions here. Let's take back this land for what it has been claimed for right. and bring a culture of life, even in the face of total persecution, even if the remnant is so much smaller than the clamor of the world. I completely am on the same board with you. The only problem is, you know, especially being recently married, the thought of raising children. Like I, I agree. Yeah. I hear adults, you know, I teach Pilates. So I'm also in the secular yeah. world, not just the yeah, religious sure. world. And I hear people who are on both sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. You could say, you know, conservative, traditional mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. more liberal, Democrat, you name it. Both sides are saying my five-year-old kids are yes. being asked what their gender is. They're yeah, talking and about terrible. these topics that they shouldn't even know about. Quite no, frankly. and I think any government that tries to impose um, that type of indoctrination and exposing little hearts and minds to ideas that they're not ready to receive mm -hmm. and that should be really being transmitted from the formation of their parents in the domestic church is something that needs to, to take note, you know, for sure. Right. And we're going to dive a little later on into the culture battle over language being forced on children. But any stories that have just really stood out with you over helping to produce unplanned over the last year that's unfolded with even conversions that have occurred? There have been a lot of conversions. There are a lot of testimonies for um, people who... Um, it was a great story in Los Angeles. I'll share this. Um, the Daughters of St. Paul, who I'm very close with, um, host, they love, you know, obviously they're media nuns and they love to bring culture through film and arts to, to all of humanity. They hosted an unplanned screening and there was a little teenage boy there, 15 years old, saw the film. Every kid, every, every attendee received a rosary bead, out, like a little swag bag after the event. <laughs> and he got pink beads, you know? And so the nuns were like, oh, honey, you know, like you need blue beads. <laughs> you know, he's a teen boy. And he's like, no, I'll pray for a little girl kind of thing. You know, like he had a sweet attitude about it. Well, he went to school that week and he overheard another teen girl talking about how she was going to have an abortion. His age, like his age. 15. He inter 
he, he stepped in. This boy, because he was informed by Unplanned about what really happens with an abortion, he stepped in with all sincerity and all honesty, and he said to her, you can't do it, and I'm going to tell you why. And she decided to have a baby. Praise God, this is a miracle of young people having seen Unplanned, and why when it comes out, available for you and I to show screenings, have movie nights, we've got to do it. Yes. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. We've been talking about the movie Unplanned as we have in studio one of the co-producers of the film Unplanned, Alexis Walkenstein. So good to be with you. Thank you for being with us. And I wanted to take advantage of you being here in studio to talk about personal code of ethics because in journalism, you really are a gatekeeper of the message that people are going to hear, but more importantly, of how you want people to think. Right. And so there's a big responsibility in how we handle that. Later on, we're going to get into some of the LGBTQ issues with mm-hmm. regard to the mm-hmm. language there. But I want to talk uh, really now about how the message we choose for people to hear is really how we're molding their thinking. And this mm-hmm. is an opportunity you had personally when covering in secular media, mm-hmm. the death, mm-hmm. for example, of JP2. Sure. Can you sure. speak a little bit to that? Well, St. John Paul II is truly, he's the one that got me into news media in many ways. I went to World Youth Day in Denver with, uh, you know, my archdiocese when I was in college and I was interning uh, for NBC in Washington, D.C. And I knew that television was ahead of me, but he was the greatest communicator in the church, you know, and he was the one that was forming young hearts and minds. Um, He commissioned our generation to bear witness to the gospel of life in every facet of society. And so I think with that, it was very impress, impressive on me to hear that, to be really standing in front of him and to hear that you can't have a choice. There's no choice. You can't, mm. um, even if you're going to be in the mainstream world, you have to have a code of ethics that guide what you will cover, what you won't cover, or how you approach stories that you cover. You know, whether it's you're covering someone who's been wrongly accused you can't necessarily say as an objective journalist, this person's been wrongly accused, but you can present a story with facts and let people decide. You can be praying and asking God, help me to find the right people to tell this story objectively on both sides and fair and balanced. So those are some of the things, you know, in the mainstream world that you want to carry with you is to, to, to really, as a Christian, we're called to be leaven in the world and we're called to bring the light of Christ and the light of Christ is truth. So and with that, I think truth and light and life, uh, the gospel of life is is really the imperative for um, any Christian communicator. I would love to get your thoughts on this. So it came out over the last few weeks that Mark Zuckerberg, head of Facebook, mm. uh, was at a conference recently and he was talking about different issues that Facebook has had to deal mm-hmm. with. And he ends up giving the example, and I believe I post the video, if not, I'll post on my social media, of what happened in Ireland with the Irish referendum right. and mm-hmm. how essentially Facebook was having private groups, as he calls mm-hmm. it, trying to influence mm-hmm. the vote in Ireland, right. in South Ireland, over whether or not they'd suddenly approve and change whether or not they were going to allow abortion in the country. Well, sure enough, he ends up saying they contact the government because they're saying, well, what's your policy on having yeah. these private groups kind of force and try to influence pro-life messages over mm-hmm. there? Well, the country didn't have a policy, so Facebook put it it upon themselves to really shut down the pro-life ads coming from the United States. Well, we know that that happened with us with Unplanned. I mean, we had a lot of censorship. And I think it's just it's just really 
symptomatic to know that there is a gender-based communications stranglehold. I mean, this right. is the, the world in which we live. I mean, so what does that do? I mean, maybe the Lord's tapping someone on the shoulder to start their own version of Facebook where, you know, it's has got Christian principles. But we have to know, we have to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. And I think the message is, uh, even if we, we work in mainstream, we work in the church, if you work in the church, you can't be in some kind of a, a Jesus bubble. You need right. to be wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove, to know what you're dealing with and to fight with the Holy Spirit to be able to have that message work around it. Right. You know, we didn't need Facebook and we didn't need Twitter <laughs> necessarily for unplanned. Uh, what they tried to do to us absolutely backfired. And so isn't that like Christ? You know, the the arrows that are coming for you actually turn around to sender. And when they tried to shut us down, our numbers exploded. Right. You know, and you're referring, for example, for those who don't know, I'm sure many of you guys know who are listening, but Twitter shut you down opening yeah. weekend. You had to fight to reinforce right. that. And the rated R rating, I think all of this brought more attention. It's kind of like the topic of sex. And when there's this message of, you know, which I think predominantly during the sexual revolution the teaching on sex was just don't do it and mm -hmm. so you had a bunch of people who got curious and yeah some sense. you don't keep the wise yeah, behind exactly yeah, right and so it's kind of creating this little shelter where suddenly people are really really interested in knowing what's going on but it comes back to the topic of it's a message we choose for people to hear right. that people mm -hmm. end up hearing. So let's talk briefly. You were in the midst of it during the first round of sex abuse scandals in mm. the early 2000s. Yes. And so, I mean, praise God that someone like you was there to honestly recognize we have to cover this. We had to cover it. This is not something that you hide. Right. This is a purification in the church. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was trying to leave news media I was in for about six years, and when I was coming back from New York, the Lord showed me a darkness over New York. What I didn't know was going to be uh, the Twin Towers coming down. And I, I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to transition out of news. The Lord put me right back into news back in Boston at a higher level, was covering the war on terror, 9-11. And then it was this spiritual war, the battle over the church. And I think for us Christians, Catholics, we need to see the sex abuse crisis as a spiritual breakdown of the family. We have to see it as a spiritual war. This is not to say that we excuse priests or bishops for what they did, but we have to see that there are open doors that brought on this sin. If they can fall, we can fall. We have to learn from all of this. But being in the news media during this time was incredibly challenging because there isn't a spiritual perspective to this from, from the worldview. Mm -hmm. The worldview is the church is from hell. What they did is evil. Yes, the things that that happened, the sexual abuse of minors, teenagers, uh, spiritual abuse to, to cover things up was completely egregious and a, a horrific sin that is that is vile to the Lord. So in no way should it not have been covered. But what is the balance of that story that we can tell? What is the light in the midst of the darkness? I think that is part of um, the duty of a Christian and a Catholic whenever there is evil we have to be looking for the good because surely um, you're not throwing the whole baby out with the bathwater. You're not throwing the sacramental life of the church out with the segment of the evil percentage of, you know, perpetrators. You have to look for where the, the, the purification is happening. You have to look for the holy man of God 
the renewal that's coming. You have to look for the seminarians that are coming into the church, right. despite this evil, that, that men are still being called to live a life of faith and holiness and to find those stories and to expose them. Right. And I know this is something that all of us, not just people in the news media, can do today when we're having basically yeah. talking point conversations with friends and right. family who right. have left the faith or oh, who yes. never become Catholic because right. of the abuse. Because of it. Right. Right. But when you were working in the midst of it, were you able to communicate some of the positive messages in the midst of? Yeah. I mean, some of the miracles and and that were happening, uh, you know, it was hard. I mean, you be, would be getting tipped that, you know, um, a particular priest was going to be arrested at like four in the morning. And so we'd be mobilizing crews. And it, this would be daily, you know, weekly mm -hmm. basis or tipped that Cardinal Law um, was going to be resigning. And so we were mobilizing to Rome to get there ahead of time. Um, and so... What are the what are the stories that you can bring forward in, in the midst of this pain, you know, yeah. um, in a secular environment? And so um, these are very challenging things to do. I remember um, reaching out to um, Cardinal Law's Episcopal secretary. You know, I grew up young in the in the church around Cardinal Law quite a bit and covering the pope's visits with the cardinal there and other things, of course, through my Boston career. And I knew that. Um, the friendship that they had was was significant. And so we were doing an interview with him, with Monsignor McInerney. I was able to call him and, and get mm -hmm. his reaction to the resignation. And it put a human human element to all of this. And so finding some of, of those stories, but also, you know, finding um, stories of hope. I mean, the church in Boston all but shut us down for any kind of coverage at all. So we would go outside to other dioceses and, um, we did a story out of Providence, Rhode Island on seminarians who um, were coming into the church in, in the midst of this firestorm of evil. There were men that were committed to becoming priests. And I remember the reporter that covered the story. He called me from the road. He was there very, very early because he was going to shoot, you know, sunrise and their whole day. And he said, I know why men become priests. I know why men become priests. He said the peace of God was so extraordinary. And that particular reporter was going to go through a horrific trial in his life. And I know later, and I know that that moment in time was probably a source of grace for what he was about to go through. And God works in mysterious ways. And it's mm -hmm. not always about the story, but a lot of times there are things going on behind the scenes that are very impactful. Um, That's where you for we yeah. sometimes forget that those journalists' lives are being changed yes. by the topics that yes. they're uncovering. And That's although correct. they're seeing the ugliest and the evil of the church, they're also suddenly maybe having their first encounter with priests with religious right. with people who are serving with the sacraments faithful. yeah yes. yeah in or prayer right mm -hmm. or even just walking into a church mm -hmm. and noticing the peacefulness that is present right there. right oh, it's such a gift so code of ethics what are a couple things that you kind of live by then and have really developed over the years yeah i think um you know ethics in you know covering a story or even representing on the pr side you know um are you doing this just for vainglory? Are you doing this for your own gain or for the glory of God? I think that's the fundamental question that is important for anyone that is called to any type of this, any of this type of work where there is a spotlight, where there is media coverage, where there is power. Even if you're not in front of the camera, behind the scenes, there could be a lot of power to be had by people who have the ability to affect whole newscasts and whole newsrooms. And But what power do you derive, you know, is it for the Lord to be glorified in your life? I mean, I think this is not just for in the news, but, you know, medical professionals, um, every Catholic person who's called to work a life of work to give God glory, the ethics should be 
not my will be done, but your will be done. And mm -hmm. so every day I would approach my work with um, help me to glorify you, help me to do what you would do, help me to find the light in the midst of the darkness. Amen. It is so important in the midst of all of the environments that we find ourselves in, family situations, difficult friendships, or whether it be our career and the many difficult issues to come, one of which we're going to come back talking about really the crisis going on in Canada and also here in the United States over the gender ideology being forced on six-year-olds, but also on women who work in the realm of waxing, waxing legs, and <laughs> other things we'll be coming back to in just a few minutes with Alexis Walkenstein. Don't miss an episode. Head over to radiotrending.com. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. -E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Shout out to everyone listening on Spirit Catholic Radio. We're talking about the culture war over language. I have in studio with me Alexis Walkenstein. And Alexis, you are going to get a kick out of this, out of, out of <laughs> you know, kind of being a media personality. Basically, no media showed up as legal proceedings took place with a gentleman who was suing three women who do waxing. And they essentially refused to wax his genitalia. Oh. <laughs> um, even though he identifies as a trans woman, but is really a man with male body parts. And I'm shocked that my, <laughs> no go. my stations didn't cover it. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on a second. I actually think there's a reason they didn't cover this because they're so pro transgender LGBT yeah. LGBTQ issues. The reason they didn't cover it is because they know this goes too far. This is essentially sexual harassment mm. on the part of the man to the woman. Mm. He's trying to force mm. to touch his genital areas for waxing. Uh, yeah, that's that's a visual <laughs> overload right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know, I think these sensational stories, though. I mean, these would always be at the top of the hit list <laughs> in uh, local news in Boston and New York. And so I'm surprised that there was ac actually no coverage there. But I think it's because they show this is how far it goes. Yeah, suddenly it, women are, in a sense, being sexually harassed. Well, to what extent do your freedoms infringe on my freedoms? Right. right? Exactly. And not only that, it's silly. It is a silly. certain point. Yeah. And I think the media, like you're saying, is willing to cover. Maybe he needs a home waxing time. kit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But this is what he's saying. It's a matter of a basic gender affirmative care for mm. him. Mm. And so he wanted that gender affirmative care, which I mean, would have gotten it, I guess, if they hadn't said no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I think the world has gotten into such craziness that we don't know which side is up or down anymore. Right. And we're confronted with these things that we can laugh about. But. But really, I mean, we were not confronted with all of this stuff right. even 10 or 15 or 20 years mm -hmm. ago. And we're suddenly on this escalating trajectory of lunacy right. that has put us all in a compromising position. Absolutely. You know, on a more serious note, that is one story coming out of Canada. And, and by the way, it looks like he finally ended up dropping the charges. He won $3,000 from each woman. I don't think he's going to be getting it. Uh, but a different st story coming out of Canada. And we're seeing the same things coming out I'm of I'm glad London. I'm not in the waxing business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very, very true. <laughs> and that's a whole other topic I, I, I can't understand. <laughs> but the media has not been covering the story of a six-year 
year-old girl Mm. who essentially they're in Canada I believe it was Ontario their parents have filed an application having to do with the Human Rights Tribunal because she is now confused as to her sexuality there's Mm. been forced education by the teachers saying boy and girl are not real there's no such thing and it's gotten to the point where it's been so unaffirming Mm. to young children which Mm. young children need to be affirmed right so fundamental for human psychology yeah that now these children after a year of going through school systems now saying mommy mommy am i a girl am i a girl right to the point where they're saying we need help this has gone Mm -hmm. too far Mm. yeah and i think this is just sin plain and simple right this is sin uh disguised by something as politically correct and appropriate and we have to fight this type of an agenda that is creeping in and now boldly uh, positioning everywhere, permeating you know Canada, the United States. Years ago in Lexington, Massachusetts, there was a, th- this talk of this indoctrination. There was a woman in my prayer group who was a, a young mom. And like 25 years ago, this was coming up about kindergarten, as young as kindergarten, the indoctrination of uh, this type of an agenda. And she was fighting it. And, you know, the attacks that she suffered were so fierce, she almost died. Mm-hmm. She had an unidentified illness that nobody could put their finger on. And the doctor said she her organs were shutting down. And we know we, the whole community was praying with her. And it was because she was fighting as a woman taking up this charge well before it became uh, in vogue for the world, uh, before it really became known to Christian and Catholic communities that this is an agenda that is going to be confronting the church overall mm-hmm. and our families. And she, the devil wanted to kill her. And this is this is the scary part. This is spiritual warfare because fundamentally, the enemy would like to destroy the family. The enemy wants to destroy the family. And how is he going to do it? Through abortion, snuffing out life, through confusing young people so that they have no gender identity or they, they flip around and there's no procreation. Mm-hmm. If, um, if the enemy would like to snuff out any life force in any family life, um, get them to not be having sex between a man and a woman and being married uh, in the church and having having uh, fruitful marriages with with children. And this is where it starts. The enemy is working very diligently through um, people who are confused and in sin to indoctrinate and families have to stand up. That is Emmy Award winning and author Alexis Walkenstein. She's had an incredible journalistic career and you can tell she's not afraid of speaking truth and speaking what we need to hear and the reality of the situation. Now, this is what's scary is that this terminology, this lifestyle that you're talking about, the lifestyle is not enough. Now, young children have to be brainwashed. We're talking about mm-hmm. a six-year-old girl. Later on this week, you and I will also be talking about the topic of a 10-year-old girl in London who mm-hmm. was essentially pulled out of school for a whole week mm-hmm. out of initiation from the principal suspended because she pushed back against the LGBTQ mm-hmm. agenda children are having to deal with this and teachers specifically for example in San Diego where I live mm-hmm. the teachers union has been bringing in pro-transgender individuals telling the teachers that you no, may no longer refer to children as male and female mm-hmm. you should always use gender neutral pronouns mm-hmm. and the reality is language influences people it does i mean in the bible it says you know life and death is in the tongue and Mm. the lord breathed and spoke and the world was created right so as we speak it will be and um these are very serious consequences to this type of language altering 
and the rewriting of history and sociology. Right. Pornography plays into this. I mean, I, I was reading a study about um, how there's p- pornography is so prevalent among young boys that their lack of interest in, in even like socialization with girls right. is prompting girls to adopt lesbianism because of the lack of sociological development that, that young boys should be having just in a social setting there should be some affirmation. There should be some affirmation. It's not to say they're having sex, right. of course, no. But but but, but the natural. normal the normal kind of banter and that yeah. kind of thing is so eliminated because pornography has desensitized young men and girls now too. But there's this pendulum switch, and it was a psychological um, medical magazine that I read this in that has really pushed a large number of young girls into experimenting with other women and same right. sex. And so not only experimenting with other women and same sex, but self-discovery as a form of affirmation of who you are. Right. This is something many doctors are now mm-hmm. recommending to teenagers. And I'm hearing from parents all up and down the state of California who are concerned because now they take their child to the doctor and it's a minor and the parent is asked to leave. To leave. And this is unacceptable. Right. Unacceptable. So here's some of the language. We hear things such as gender affirmation surgery rather than sex change. Mm-hmm. It's an affirmation. Yeah, of God forbid identity. you call it what it is. Right, exactly. And so that's where we have to be careful with language. I mean, I honestly, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I have started to avoid, you know, what's the sex of the baby, not the gender, because we need to not get into this kind of pendulum swing, like you said, where people are saying, okay, sex is one thing, but gender is what you define it as, right? Yeah, and I think we have to be very careful and sensitive, too, with the young people or the older people who are caught up in this and, and do feel maybe a legitimate emotional struggle with their identity. They come by it honestly. I think there's so much brokenness and sin in the world that these things can be put on us. They can be put on us through generational curses in our bloodline, through our own sin, through sin around us. Um, through the spirit of the world or whatever we're into that is not of God. So we have to be very gentle with people that are caught in the thicket of these types of behaviors. Um, we have to be loving, but we have to speak truth because God has created them male and female and he created them good. And so we have to go back to that root of who we are in Christ and anything apart from who we are in Christ is going to be distorted, you know, and and we have to, it's going to be very difficult. I mean, it's going to be prayer and fasting on the part of the church. It's going to be bold witness of families to be living valiant family life uh, through Our Lady of Fatima. And, um, you know, we have to pray very heavily because the church has been remiss in its service to men and women who are largely going to be answering the call through their vocation, through marriage and family life. But the, the sin sickness of the priesthood and the scandals have really impacted the health of the whole church. Mm-hmm. Um, we have seen really bad formation over the years. So people have been caught up in the spirit of the world. Even good God-fearing church people have been caught up in this political correctness. And so there's going to have to be a real renewal and a purification overall. And I believe Bishop Sheen is part of this. I believe Pope John Paul II is part of this. I believe Our Lady of Fatima is part of this. But we have to do our part and we have to pray for holy marriages to rise up um, where people are not committing to marriage, that there's a renewal for men and women to commit to get married for this garbage of, you know, the non-dating, the non, you know, the holding out and the waiting and the waiting and the me, the me, everything and the instantaneous me and social media, Instagram and Facebook and let me get a career going first before I decide and all the distractions and the pull of the world can be very strong on the church. And so we have to really be praying intentionally 
um, we can say it's not our problem. That's not my issue. It, it's all of our issue in the body of Christ. Mm. And so taking responsibility, not just for our own lives, but am I my brother's keeper? It was yeah. one of the earliest sins committed, right? right? Cain and Abel. And when God's looking for Abel that's now dead, Cain goes, what? Am I my brother's keeper? Now he's responsible for the death, but he's also trying to not take responsibility for even right. knowing the right. state of another human being. And that's right. where we come into the play. So Alexis, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Walkenstein, my amazing Jewish last name for a good Catholic girl. And we'll um, tweet you out as well. <laughs> or at my blog, lexicallyblog.com. I'm generally blogging as much as possible, but you can find all my contact information there too. Well, thank you so much for being with us. You can find Alexis as well at radiotrending.com. We'll have a webpage with all the links to her social media. Thank She's you. also speaking on really important issues. And luckily, she'll be with us for another episode this week. So please don't miss an episode of Trending. You can turn your phone into a mobile radio and in fact you can share this episode with someone else so please share what we're doing here at trending these important and difficult issues and if you like what you hear or have any questions or topics you want covered just head over to radiotrending.com and submit a request under the contact page this has been trending with timory to book her to speak or learn more about her guests visit radiotrending.com that's radiotrending.com You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 